Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 platinum jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. We can't help but see the pattern. When one celebrity dies, then another. A third is sure to follow. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more like it, follow Haunted Places Urban Legends free and exclusively on Spotify. Due to the graphic nature of this urban legend, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes depictions of graphic bodily harm and online cruelty. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Fame is a fickle thing. There are many perks, from a blue Twitter checkmark, to fancy parties, to free stuff, both illicit and perfectly legal. There are drawbacks too. Notoriety, the paparazzi, greater scrutiny of your actions. But then, there's that other thing. The rumor that swirls when one celebrity death follows another. The macabre whispers of, who's next? It's silly, really. The odds of another celebrity's demise are no different than they have ever been. But a chill still runs up every famous person's spine when someone makes that classic joke. Death comes in threes. Welcome to Haunted Places, a ParCast original. I'm Greg Polson. Today's episode is part of our Urban Legends series. Every Tuesday, we explore those chilling stories you hear secondhand, the kind that seem made up, but contain a kernel of truth. Urban Legends is only on Spotify, so keep listening here to never miss an episode. But don't forget to come back each Thursday for a classic episode of Haunted Places, covering yet another ghost-filled locale. You can find episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Haunted Places for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Today, we examine a contemporary urban legend, death comes in threes. Since the beginning of media, and perhaps longer, humans have had a habit of seeing a pattern of pain, suffering, and catastrophe in groups of three. 
As much as our rational minds may know no such pattern exists, we can't help it. We see threes everywhere, whether we want to or not. This is especially true of celebrity deaths. We have to wonder if three celebrity deaths in a row is a coincidence or something more sinister. The summer of 2009 was also known as the Summer of Death. This is due to a string of high-profile fatalities over the course of one tragic week. Ed McMahon passed away on June 23rd, followed by Farrah Fawcett on June 25th, and then Michael Jackson a few hours later on the same day. For weeks after, everyone couldn't stop talking about the sinister, painful pattern. Sure, Jackson had died of a sedative overdose that triggered a cardiac arrest, but the conspiracy theories swirled nonetheless. Had someone killed him? Had the universe taken an already-at-risk man to complete a vicious circle of three? Everyone worried that they would be part of the next cycle. But how famous did you need to be for your end to count as part of the three? Irene turned her laptop on and let YouTube load as she started to pick up dirty clothes from the floor of her bedroom. Her best friend Eliza was going live for a get ready with me, and she didn't want to miss it. The two women had met through their respective channels, building their own friendship and then monetizing it. People loved it when they collaborated on their channels or left each other comments on each other's social media. It helped that they genuinely got along. So many other influencers' friendships were just for show. But Irene and Eliza were ride or die. She bopped along to Eliza's background music as she straightened up her room, occasionally glancing up at the screen as Eliza put makeup on and answered questions from her community. Irene opened her phone and sent a few fire emojis Eliza's way, smiling as the comments continued to fly in. By now, about a third of Eliza's 15 million viewers had logged on to begin the day with her. Fans were asking questions about the next time the two of them were going to make a video together. Eliza giggled coyly, asking the audience if that was something they wanted to see. Irene watched as thumbs-up emojis and hearts flooded the chat. She really was loved. They both were. Eliza picked up an eyeliner brush, dipping it into a pot of gel. She traced a smooth line of electric blue across her waterline. Eliza's hand stopped halfway through her explanation of the first step of eyeliner application. Her entire face went still. Irene refreshed the screen. Messages of confusion poured in. Eliza was still frozen, the eyeliner brush quivering slightly in her hand, the only movement on the screen. Irene refreshed again. Privately, she sent Eliza a message to see if she was okay. Eliza's head slumped sideways, her face dipping toward the keyboard. The plastic shaft of the brush went into her eye with a squelch. Her other eye stared back at the screen vacantly. Irene placed a hand over her mouth in horror. Blood oozed out of Eliza's eye. There was no one there to turn the camera off. A few people were already claiming that Eliza was faking her death for views. Irene wanted to tell them that her friend wasn't that kind of person, but she couldn't move. She blinked 
her gaze glued to the feed at Eliza's unmoving eyes. She had to do something. Irene grabbed her keys and ran to her car. The drive was quick, and Irene was soon shoving Eliza's spare key into the lock with shaky hands. She called out into the house as she shoved the door open. The silence within was too loud. Irene dashed up the stairs to Eliza's filming room. She froze as she realized she stepped into the webcam's view, but she couldn't think of anything to say, so she dashed to the computer and closed the window. Eliza's skin was already starting to turn cold. She was dead. The paramedics said it was an aneurysm, that there was nothing Irene could have done. But Irene could at least let the audience know what had happened. She made a post on Eliza's accounts, and then her own, thanking viewers for their support and kindness and apologizing that they saw something so painful and horrific. Irene hyperlinked some crisis counseling services and heart health charities. It felt meaningful, if small. Most of the messages were considerate and sweet, until the trolls started to slink into the thread. Can't wait for two more of you airheads to die. Someone had typed the sentence hundreds of times. Copy pasta. The cascade of emojis warred on each comment. Angry red grimaces facing down, thumbs up, and laughs. Don't feed the trolls, darling, one of her fans wrote. That death comes in threes thing isn't even real. But Irene couldn't get it out of her head. Several days later, Irene's other best friend, Rosie, pulled her out of bed. Rosie was convinced that a little sunshine would be enough to raise Irene's spirits. Irene couldn't eat seeing Eliza's bleeding eye in every meal, hearing the liquidy pop of the brush pushing through the cornea. Rosie, on the other hand, was eating fine. She told Irene that Eliza would want them to keep living, keep streaming, mourn their friend together with her millions of followers, give them some place to go with Eliza gone. Irene felt sick. But as she and Rosie planned their collab videos, Irene started to relax. Rosie could never replace Eliza, but her viewers would probably want her to spend more time with her other friends. Things would be okay. They weren't airheads, and no one else was dying. They were in their early 20s, and this was just some sort of freak medical thing. An aneurysm, like they said. Death didn't come in threes. Irene stabbed a meatball with her fork and popped it into her mouth. The red sauce tasted like blood in her mouth, but she swallowed it down. Her audience would notice if she lost too much weight. Rosie suggested that they start filming immediately. Irene touched up her makeup on the car ride from the restaurant to Rosie's house. The pristine white house with tasteful dashes of color lacked any sense of warmth or personality. It made for great backdrops. People didn't want to see the mess of their homes. They wanted the beautiful facade, shiny white walls, marble countertops, a world of excess and artifice. They set up their box lights in Rosie's DSLR. Irene fluffed her hair while Rosie adjusted the lens. They took a seat next to each other. 
Rosie's boyfriend, Skyler, pressed record on the camera and gave them a thumbs up before retreating into the home theater in the next room. They talked about fashion trends they were interested in while cutting up old t-shirts to make a chic new quilt. Eco-friendly trends were starting to gain popularity and they wanted to stay ahead of the curve. Twelve minutes into the recording, Irene accidentally called Rosie Eliza. She apologized, blushing under the obscenely hot lights. Rosie told her it was fine. She missed Eliza too. She asked her if she wanted to go again or take a break. Irene shook her head. She knew her followers would want to see this. They would understand, wouldn't they? But the words echoed in her mind. Can't wait for two more of you airheads to die. Don't feed the trolls, darling. Irene concentrated on her cutting. She got lost in the repetitive movement of the scissors against fabric. Rosie's arm touched hers. Irene shrugged it off. Rosie touched her again. Irene turned to ask what was wrong, but stopped when she saw Rosie's expression. Both of her eyes were rolling back in her head. Her entire body was flailing. Foam filled her mouth, spilling out over her cheeks. She fell. She hit the floor with a loud thunk. Belatedly, Irene reached out her arms to try and catch her. She screamed for help. Skylar was back in a flash, asking Irene what had happened. Irene didn't have an answer. Rosie convulsed on the floor. Irene and Skylar were able to get Rosie to a sitting position, but her erratic spasms kept slamming her head against the wall. Irene placed her hand against Rosie's head, but she couldn't stop it. Rosie's temple slammed into Irene's palm until it was numb. Flecks of blood splattered over the floor, spilling from Rosie's chin. Irene realized a moment later that Rosie had bit something inside her cheeks. Rosie's mouth fell fully open, and a piece of tongue fell onto the floor. Irene yelled at Skylar to dial 911. He was too preoccupied with the camera. She screamed at him to turn it off, but he wanted to keep going. He told her the medics might want to see what happened, but she could see the dollar signs in his eyes. Rosie murmured Eliza's name under her breath. Over and over again, like a mantra, the word slipped through her mouth. Irene begged Rosie to tell her what was happening. Rosie only got out one more word. Two. Rosie stared up at Irene, shivering, even in the heat of the lights. Irene could see the exact moment the light left her eyes. Rosie's body, that had been bursting with energy only minutes ago, was now unnervingly still. The blood from Rosie's tongue was drying on the white shag carpet, darkening to a septic shade of brown. Rosie's vacant eyes burned into Irene's own. Despite all of Irene's efforts, her mind answered her dead friend in turn. Three. Coming up, Irene tries to avoid her final destination. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. 
Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Now back to the story. Irene didn't go with the medic this time. She let Skylar go, stealing his last few moments with Rosie, camera in hand. She heard them call the time of death from inside Rosie's house. The words echoed through the hallway. But they weren't the only words in Irene's brain. That commenter had warned that two more would die. Eliza died. Rosie died. Both of her best friends were going to be buried now. No one would want to collab with her. She scrolled through her social media, trying to soothe herself with the praise of her fans. Irene asked her followers who she should collab with next, hoping to drum up some ideas and maybe get another influencer interested in her. Comments flooded in, and Irene felt that familiar rush of dopamine hitting her brain. She started to read what people wanted, but the worst words were jumping out at her. Lady Death, the Grim Reaper, a coffin. Each word was a jab at her fragile sense of self. There were suggestions that she should do a tour of a morgue or post-embalming makeup tutorial. Other people stated that they hoped her end would be caught on camera. They wanted to know if they could get any footage from Rosie's death. Irene couldn't keep the tears and self-loathing from coming. She deleted the apps one by one. Her legs shook as she drove home, her foot sliding off the accelerator more than once. Several cars nearly sideswiped her. A crushing certainty started to settle inside Irene's chest. She was not going to survive the week. All bad things happened in triplicate. There was no sense in trying to fight the inevitable. Irene couldn't predict how her body would betray her, but it would happen, perhaps as early as tomorrow or tonight. Her physician told her she was fit as a fiddle. As long as she kept up with her routines, she would be fine. He offered to prescribe her something for anxiety. She shook her head, agreeing that she would be all right. But all Irene could hear in her head was three. Irene barricaded herself in her apartment, she placed a love seat in front of the second bedroom that served as her filming area. Her specific brand of celebrity did wane with neglect. Maybe she could wait it out. She tried not to think just how far she would have to stretch her savings or how she would get her sponsorships back after ghosting them. She went to her kitchen, pulling out the ingredients for an oat milk smoothie that she had been perfecting for a video. She carefully measured out her oat milk and protein powder before putting in some berries and ice. She hit pulse, but nothing happened. She stared at the blender, head tilted ever so slightly to the side. She hit pulse again. The blade caught on something. Maybe the berries were more frozen than they should have been. 
she shook the cup gently, then hit Pulse again. It caught again. This is what happened when you bought oat milk with wheatgrass inside it. She took off the blender's top to reach in to clear the blockage. Her hand stopped about a centimeter before the blade. She looked down at herself, fingers covered in oat milk and wheatgrass and sandy protein powder. She tugged the blender's cord free from its outlet and rescued the fossilized berry from the cup. Irene had to laugh at herself as she sucked her perfected smoothie through a straw. She padded to her sofa and sat down, clutching her phone like a lifeline. Her friends were gone. Her followers had dropped off catastrophically over the past few days. Her fingers itched. This was the longest she'd been away from her audience in over ten years. They could make her feel better. They had always been able to keep her from the pain. Sure, some of them were death-wishing trolls, but so many of them were sweet, kind, and supportive. She began taking selfies while she re-downloaded Instagram. Irene did some quick face-tuning to make her face smaller and more symmetrical. Then she posted it. She waited for the likes and comments to roll in, grateful the app didn't have a dislike button. The rush of smileys and fire emojis was a cool rain in the desert of her depression. Several comments mentioned a black spot in the frame. Irene zoomed in on the picture. They were right. There was a dark mass hanging in the background. Irene closed out of Instagram and opened up the raw photo. She zoomed in again, ready to clean up the photo so she could repost it. As the image grew larger, she started to notice that the black spot had more detail to it. It was not just a smudge or the shadow of a finger on the camera. There was something inside of it. Two somethings. Rosie. Eliza. Their faces were stretched, mouths opened in a silent scream. Dots of white dripped down their faces. Irene looked behind her, but there was nothing there. She took a deep breath and coughed. The air felt heavy, sickly. Black smudges emerged on her skin, spilling down from her shoulders to the ends of her fingers. She felt a tightness in her throat. Irene coughed. Something was blocking her airway. She coughed harder, forcing it out. Small pieces of sinew crept up her mouth. She rolled it around on her tongue, connecting the flimsy strings before spitting them out. Her vocal cords? They crumbled to ash in front of her eyes. Irene grabbed her phone. She opened the camera app, wanting to see what was happening to her. Her neck was almost entirely consumed by a gaping black hole. She coughed again watching as tendons slithered from her chest and exited her body through the hole in her throat. Irene pushed the camera away. Her chest spasmed. The grayish-black infection crept down her skin. Irene took one last, shaky breath. She could feel the tightness in her body growing. Her lungs were starting to strain. Her heart was pumping too fast. She clutched at the kitchen counter, knocking the smoothie to the tiled floor. She wheezed and cried, nearly collapsing as she bent down, trying to calm herself. She squeezed her eyes shut, forced herself to breathe. 
And then, the blackness was gone. So was the pain. The tightness in her chest receded. Oh, it was only a waking nightmare, her fear getting the best of her. She pulled herself up to her full height, putting on a brave smile. She stepped forward to grab her phone. The floor was still coated in all that ultra-healthy oat milk, wheatgrass, and protein powder. She slipped. As she fell, she reached for the counter to stabilize, but her hand closed on her phone instead. It dropped from her grasp, clattering of the tile as it landed upright on its side. Her head hit the corner of the pristine white counter. Her limbs went limp before she landed, hips twisted. Her lips quivered as her eyes went glassy. All the while, her front-facing camera stared back at her, waiting. It whirred softly, portrait mode struggling to make sense of her stillness. As the afternoon light changed hour by hour, it adjusted again and again. The battery depleted as comment after comment pinged on her feed. Then, the screen went black. From Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P. Richardson's tragic plane crash in 1959, also known as The Day the Music Died, to the almost simultaneous loss of Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison in 1970, these moments of shared vicarious trauma stick in our minds. But anecdotes are just that. Anecdotes. The so-called Summer of Death in 2009 actually had way more than just three celebrity deaths, including David Carradine, John Hughes, and Walter Cronkite. The legend of Death Comes in Threes is extremely malleable when depending on the time frame you choose and your definition of celebrity. In 2014, Alan Flippen of the New York Times used the paper's archives to test the theory. He and his researchers defined celebrity as anyone whose obituary ran over 2,000 words. Since 1990, there were 75 instances of two of the paper's 449 celebrities dying within three days of each other. But there were only seven cases of three dying within a five-day period. The Times statistician Boris Chen indicates that this lines up with expectations of random chance. But humans like patterns. They help us perceive danger and make sense of the world. And three is one of our favorite numbers. The rule of three in narrative works suggests that using three elements in a story, whether they're characters or references, is more satisfying than any other number. The three bears, the three little pigs, the three musketeers. The Latin phrase omne trium perfectum means everything that comes in threes is perfect. In Christianity, the number three signifies the divine trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the number is also considered lucky and harmonious in Chinese culture. We find the number three soothing because it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Anything outside this multiple feels unfinished, uncertain. We wonder who will be next, when the universe will write itself, who will be number three.
Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. And don't forget to come back on Tuesday for our Urban Legends series, available only on Spotify. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all your favorite ParCast originals, like Haunted Places, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. Until next time, don't believe some of the things you hear. Believe all of them. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Kenny Hobbs. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Rache, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. I'm Greg Polson. <laughs>